welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers had a very successful weekend. Uh, obviously, they lost in totality to the Golden State Warriors, but while the main players were playing there, the Lakers were clearly the better team on the court. And then yesterday, or if you're listening right now, if you're watching on YouTube right now, uh, the Lakers just lost to Milwaukee, but they did so without LeBron James and against Le- uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard, who was playing his first game uh, there for that organization. And uh, yeah, I thought they were competitive throughout that first half while those main characters were, were in that game. So it's making, me, it's making me wonder, as we continue to kind of get more and more impressed by this preseason if it's time as we are only a few or a couple games away from the regular season to rethink some expectations with this team let's start with friday uh friday the lakers took on the golden state warriors uh the final was 129 to 125 in the warriors favor um, after the first half, though, and that was where LeBron, I, I believe uh, LeBron has only played in first halves so far. Hilariously, I believe he walked out. <laughs> he went back, showered, changed, and watched the rest of the game in street clothes. Uh, he played 18 minutes in that first half, and in that time, the Lakers outscored the Golden State Warriors uh, 70, <laughs> 70 points to 63 now the defense like i said is is always i think going to remain an issue here on on, unless the lakers change some personnel they just don't really have the horses on that side of of the ball to be the kind of defensive juggernaut that we've seen them be um over the ad lebron era and certainly in comparison to that year the lakers won a championship right that defense was stellar this team is not capable of that. But what they are capable of now, and, and they've done it a couple times over, it are those explosions where they drop 70 points against uh, Golden State. Now, Golden State was playing uh, without Draymond Green, I believe, in that one. Yeah, he, um, he, is, he is still out with his left ankle sprain and will continue to be out, I believe, for a little bit. Um, but but and, and, and he is a huge part of their defense, and... They are a very small team, and anybody who is missing on that front line is going to seriously impact what they are able to do, that being the, the Golden State Warriors. But, you know, seeing as the, the Lakers were, were missing uh, Jared Vanderbilt and seeing as LeBron has been playing every other game and everybody is still kind of getting acquainted with each other, the fact that the Lakers were able to just go out there and and naturally drop 70 points in that first half, right? Same goes for the game against Brooklyn, where you kind of look up and you're like, they scored how many? You know, and, and it doesn't feel like it's coming in an unsustainable way. Um, in fact, in in tonight's game or yesterday's, by the time you guys are listening to this on the pod feed, Lakers shot pretty cold and and still were able to, in that first half, uh, they, they scored 53 points in the first half against Milwaukee. So... You know, this is a team that that I think is going to be able to to score regardless of opponent, sometimes regardless of what they're doing from deep. 
I think in this preseason, there has been a bit of an over-reliance on the three-pointer, um, but I kind of understand it where I don't think the Lakers are going to be as focused on attacking the basket in this kind of a setting, especially when they can generate the kind of looks that they can in the offense, uh, in the flow of, of the offense, and given the shooters that they have. I think gen- like if we were to compare last year or even the last few years to this season, I think the Lakers are going to shoot fewer three-point or free throws this season than they have in in years prior because they are are just they are so good at general generating open three pointers and the guys that you're getting those looks for are so good at shooting them that you're just going to take them and and uh you know the Lakers are going to operate a lot in the mid in the mid range and that generally isn't great for for your uh, ability to get to the free throw line but again like the way that you tweak the math is by shooting and knocking down the amount of three-pointers that the ha- the Lakers have been able to. And you do still have LeBron. You do still have Anthony Davis. Both of those guys are going to be getting to the free-throw line. Uh, you have Austin Reeves, who gets to the free-throw line pretty well, especially for his size. Rui Hachimura is a big physical player. He's going to be getting to the line. And and the other thing, too, is, and I've said this in the past, and I, I, I you know, the response to it is 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 kind of funny because – People either really like this explanation or they really don't like it. But when the Lakers are as jumbled as they have been in years prior because of the lack of spacing, um, I think refs let some contact go because everybody is just so close together that you are going to kind of bump into each other. You are going to be bumping into help side defense. And because the the referees, uh, A, can't necessarily identify who is doing the fouling or B, uh, don't think that there is any kind of contact that is uh, out of the norm. They are a little more hesitant to call fouls. But with this kind of uh, spacing that the Lakers are able to uh, force upon teams, those fouls are going to be a lot more clear in terms of just raw vision from the referees uh they'll know who committed the foul they will be able to identify contact more easily because it will be happening in in much more space and it'll have a much greater and more obvious impact on the play than in in years prior so that might help a little bit with the free throw shooting but yeah just kind of staying macro this this weekend and and all preseason to this point the Lakers just continually kind of force us and force me to, and I was, you guys know this, I was pretty optimistic coming into the season. I do think they're going to, uh, you know, the, the, the night by night schedule is still going to be very difficult because the Lakers play in this loaded Western conference. I don't know if any of you, any of you have checked out any of the Spurs games and this is, they're probably going to be the worst team in the conference, but Wemby is doing just insane things and that is not going to be an easy matchup and 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 you know as easy as you would like the worst team in the in the conference to be um maybe Portland is worse than they are but they have quite a few professional basketball players on their roster and that is not going to be a super easy game either so wins are still going to be tough to come by but given the way that the Lakers can sc- score and and given the way that they are learning to really compete together and they are really forming that identity together, 
uh, I do think that that it might be time to kind of say, like heading into this, I think the over-under was 48 and a half. And I've been thinking under for much of the offseason coming into this. And and yet, like, because of what I've seen from the preseason, I, I do really think that this is probably a 50 to 52-ish win team when you just look at what they can do with LeBron and AD. And then what they've been able to do without LeBron, like that's it's it's been really kind of fascinating to watch this team execute the way that they have, even without the guy who is supposed to be the engine and rudder of the offense. Uh, so yeah, a, a lot to like from from this weekend um, on a macro level. Now let's kind of zoom in on on some things from each specific game. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, going to stay in the Warriors game here. And again, the three-point shooting, they they shot uh, 16 of 36. That's a 44% clip that they hit those at. They shot 50.1, you know, basically 51% from the field in that one. And, and the standout to me, even though I just talked about offense, <clears throat> the standout performer from that one was D'Angelo Russell because of the way he was competing defensively. And... I know that I keep on coming back to this guy, and I know that this has been a topic that I've I've been really hitting on. But man, good lord, watching him compete—not just on the ball. On the ball defense is where just about everybody tends to compete. Like even Russell Westbrook, for all of the issues that I had with him as a player, if he was guarding the other t- a player that he respected, and that player was in isolation with him, he was very good. In, in that spot because the the spotlight is on you there and you don't want to embarrass yourself in that spot. Um, so D'Angelo Russell is, I think, kind of very much the same in that regard, that in that spot, he's not going to allow himself to get straight embarrassed. But where your habits tend to g- jump up and bite you is when you are off the ball and your guy back cuts and... Uh, or it's a or it's a player that you don't respect as much or is a relatively new player to the league or something like that and you leave that player wide open from three a bunch um, or uh, you you ball watch a little too much and even if that player doesn't beat you um, with the actual back cut in a way that punishes you with a pass uh, that player sneaks in and and is able to get an offensive rebound or something off of you but D'Angelo Russell has been very focused on or off the ball no matter who he is guarding and um, has really been utilizing his length to affect passing lanes and affect shots and stuff like that. And, you know, he also mentioned uh, that he, wa- he he was really kind of focused on the type of defense that Derek White plays and how that, you know, that posi- positionality is, is something he's really focusing on. And it's really paying dividends in a, in a very clear way that if you just watch him and, and do this sometime, Go back, rewatch a game, and just focus on him defensively. And it really stands out, the kinds of habits that he's really trying to form here. 
and maybe maybe it just so happens that no matter what the guy do- tries to do, he is not a a playoff player. But without doing this stuff, we know what that looks like, right? We have now seen that 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 movie play out a few times over in various circumstances. But with him focusing on these habits, with him really trying to to uh, you know show that he is improving and showing that he is. Uh, really focus on that end of the ball or end of the court side of the ball, whatever you want to say. Yeah, that's, that's very exciting. And it showed in, in, in the Warriors game, especially given the, the types of players that he uh, had to defend, but then uh, also in the Milwaukee game um, against a, another team that is just very explosive offensively. Uh, the other one that I wanted to to highlight here, and it's like a combination of macro and micro, but, uh, you know, Austin Reeves has been on the same kind of program as LeBron James. Austin is coming back from Team USA play, and they're trying to let him kind of rest up while keeping the rust off in the preseason. Um, but when the Lakers have gone with that starting group of D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Torian Prince, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis... Whew, man, that is a very difficult team to try to defend. And Torian Prince fits in perfectly as that short window type player who either catches and shoots or catches and quickly attacks a, a closeout. Um, he is solid enough defensively, that, and, and given D'Angelo Russell's solid play defensively, that team is not an outright disaster on that side. Um, it also helps to have Anthony Davis, who, again, for my money, is the best defensive presence in the NBA. Um, but, but yeah, that is a group that, um, you know, given Jared Vanderbilt's injuries, uh, I would have thought maybe had he gotten a few more reps that he would be the opening night starter. Um, it doesn't appear that that is going to be the case. Given what we've seen from Rui, where he still seems to be more comfortable operating with bigger windows on the ball, um, I, I do kind of think that Torian Prince appears to have a real leg up in in the race to be that fifth star- starter. And, you know, Aaron has been on this train quite a bit. A lot of really smart people um, beyond him have been on this train, hoping to see Torian Prince as the opening night and, and kind of starter moving forward. Um, I know that there are, I, I was at one point saying that Jared Vanderbilt makes some sense as your, as your starter there so that he can start right away on the other team's best player. But I do think there are ways, given the amount of minutes that the other team's best perimeter player tends to play, there's a way to get him into that 15 to 18 to 20 minute range um, where you can still disrupt that player. Uh, and, and Rui, I think, is really well situated to be the centerpiece offensively for the second unit. And then the more that he, uh, you know, acclimates in playing clutch minutes with that, with that final group, uh, the more comfortable he can become at fulfilling both of those roles where with the second group, he has plenty of time on the ball. He gets ISO touches and all of that stuff. And that's what he, I think is really prefers to do most on, on a basketball court. But then by getting more minutes over the course of an 82-game season in clutch minutes, he can also function with the, the, the starting group in closing minutes uh, when, when the time calls for it. And, and I think ideally, 
I think ideally, slowly but surely, Rui figures out how to operate in smaller windows and maybe by the end of the season is is your fifth starter with that group because of those three players there's no question Rui is your most talented player there there's a reason he got the payday that he got this year especially in comparison to Torian Prince's contract that he signed and in comparison to the Jared Vanderbilt extension that was signed um Rui is a very much a a cornerstone of this organization moving forward. And I think they would like to see him start, but I don't know if he is necessarily that player quite yet. Uh, we, we will see, I guess, uh, over the course of, of the season, if he's able to become that player. But for right now, I do think Torian Prince should be your starter on, on opening night. Let's uh, look at the Milwaukee game. Uh, Again, this is kind of a weird game on both sides, right? Because uh, obviously the Lakers were playing without Austin Reeves and without LeBron James and and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, And then for Milwaukee, they were playing with Giannis Antetokounmpo and with Damian Lillard. Both of those guys played together uh, for the first time there in Milwaukee. So it's kind of weird rhythm on both sides of this thing. Uh, still thought both teams competed. Like I saw John Hollinger say that this felt like a summer league game with better players. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I can kind of see it because the rhythm was kind of iffy, but I never, like, I never thought that the effort was was missing in this one. Um, but still, the Lakers, uh, you know, they scored their fifty three points and were outscored in the first half by, uh, you know, uh, Milwaukee scored fifty six. But you know, I, I I thought they were very competitive. Every step of the way, um, Milwaukee is going to be very good when they start when they when they do you know kind of put together some rhythm. I really don't know what you do with Dame Giannis pick and rolls. That is a terrifying set uh, to see now, like in actuality. Um, and it was it was already a scary theory, and then you see it in practice, and you're like. <sighs> <laughs> Glad we only see them twice, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I thought that the the Lakers acquitted themselves very well here. I thought Anthony Davis uh, was probably the best player on the court in in that game, um, even given the other players that he was on the court with and playing against. He finished the game with sixteen points, uh, seven rebounds, five assists, two steals, two blocks, all in nineteen minutes. Uh, so I. You know, he, he, and I've said this, uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, we, we, uh, I've said this now a couple times that Anthony Davis has been kind of thinking he was going to be the, the, you know, playing a little bit less center this year. And I thought kind of slimmed down thinking that he would be spending some more time at power forward and, and, and regained a more natural kind of body for himself and and has as a result of that looked much more explosive on both sides of the court so whether it happened by accident or whatever i don't care and then aaron also has pointed out that he was a lot healthier going into the offseason than in years past and that's also going to play a role in this but but i don't care whatever combination of reasons that it that that we arrived here ad looks thin he looks you know chiseled and he looks uh, ready to really go in ways that we see closer to like the AD who first showed up, albeit four years ago. I don't think he's ever going to be that kind of an athlete uh, again, but he's also 
he's 30. He's in his prime. He should be, he should still be, you know, we shouldn't have to worry about him looking kind of sluggish in the same way that we have uh, the last couple of years. So that has been great to see. And, and this team, uh, you know, again, we keep on finding new reasons to raise that bar, raise those expectations. D'Angelo Russell's play, um, what they've looked like offensively when LeBron has been out there, but nothing, nothing whatsoever raises their ceiling and their floor more than the most effective version that Anthony Davis can possibly be. Um, all right, I am going to now move on to some uh, questions and comments. So if you have any uh, and you're listening here or watching live on YouTube, which I hope everybody is subscribed to, we've really seen an uptick in, in subscriptions. So shouts to everybody who is doing that. Again, that is uh, youtube.com slash at Lakers Lounge where you can find us and subscribe and watch uh, these shows and, and clips from them in a variety of ways. And then also when we are live here and you leave questions and comments, uh, I can, I can uh, more quickly see them if, than if you're watching on a different platform. Um, but the best way to get your question or comment heard on the show is to leave it in the form of a five-star review. Um, I am there now. And uh, the first question I see, the only question I see this week is from LA240825. Hey, Anthony, love the show and been following for a while now, but I was thinking the other day, have we fallen back into a big man dominated era? I just thought about the four main bigs, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, and AD, and how each one of them can dominate in their own way. Thanks and keep up the work you do. Man, you can go beyond that top tier of bigs, right? Giannis kind of plays like a pseudo center sometimes. So like he belongs in that group, obviously. Um, but you know, even you, you even look at guys like Chris Tapps Porzingis, he has looked very good for, uh, Boston. You have, uh, you have, uh, Rudy Gobert and, and Carl Anthony Towns and like, yeah, they are jokes kind of in their own way, but they are super talented in, you know, at, at what it is that they do, right? Carl Anthony Towns, um, might be the best shooting just center, uh, that I have ever seen. Rudy Gobert is absolutely special defensively um, that cannot be debated even though his issues offensively make him kind of a liability in playoff settings uh you i i do really think that we're going to get a better version of deandre ayton now that he is not in phoenix anymore um so i'm really watching for that and and yeah you could just kind of go throughout the league and and on any given night like you know for a long time uh there were like they were there were good bigs, right? They, I, I don't think we've ever watched an NBA where there wasn't like a hand, at least a handful of really, really good bigs, talented bigs. The difference though now to me is that basically on any given night, like there are not very many just stiffs in the league, right? There are, there are no like <laughs> uh, Todd McCulloch's, <laughs> you know? Like they're just... There aren't very many of those guys that are like playing significant roles on teams because um, the Todd McCulloch's of the world and 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 other you know man who else who would else I mean the Nets had like three of them but um, essentially like those kinds of players if if you have that kind of a player on your team um, you're just better off playing power forward at center 
and just going small and getting more talent onto the court that way. So those kinds of players have basically gone ex- extinct. And as, as a result, any given night, you could look at the, the starting center on the other team and you're like, damn, he doesn't suck. <laughs> like he's probably good at at least something. And, and, and then, you know, teams are so creative that, you know, just the big, stiff, six foul white guys, those guys just aren't there anymore. You know, those, those guys who used to exist basically to foul Shaq a bunch, those guys aren't there. And at the very, very top of the league, Jokic is completely unique. We've never seen that guy before. Never. You know, Joel Embiid is an absolute force. You just can't, when he really has it going, you can't guard that guy uh, without sending like two or three or four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys. <laughs> like it's just, it. we are, we are in this really cool era of bigs. And you would think that it would be the kind of thing that like former players would really like, right? Like the, the, the kind of guys who grew up where the analysts always said, pound the ball inside and go in there and dominate with physicality and stuff like that. Like you would think that more former players would note this, but they don't because occasionally Joel Embiid does step out and hit three pointers. And, you know, it's kind of insane that somebody can dominate on the inside the way that Embiid can, and then also step out and be a very good three point shooter. You know, Nikola Jokic uh, is, is just unguardable in the mid, you know, in the mid post, and the closer that he gets to the to the to the basket, and then he steps out and shoots these one-footed fallaway threes. That you ask anybody in Denver, when he shoots them, they expect them to like, if not go in, certainly get close. And given the release and the arc and everything that you see on that, that should not be the expectation there. But these guys are just effing good, and just like with everything else in the world, evolution make things makes things better. And we have seen an evolution of the sport, and we have seen an evolution of the big man. And in this case, the evolution of the big man has led to some absolute freaks. Most notably, that dude playing in San Antonio who's going to be wrecking the league for the next, like, 20 years. All right, I am going to look at the YouTube comments here to see if we have any questions, and, uh, and then probably call it a night. And, and let everybody, uh, I have a fun guest for you guys who are listening on the feed, uh, who will be live here, I would imagine, within a few hours, whenever you guys are listening. I do have a question here from George Santiago. George Santiago. Uh, are you concerned that this offense is not as AD-centric? This trend started after the deadline this year, or last year. All right. Um, whew, man, concerned... I, there's nothing about this offense that I'm like concerned about. This offense is going to be special. They might not score in ways that we are used to, um, and and they are going to shoot more three pointers than we have probably ever seen. That like we are confident about going in. Uh, those D'Antoni Dantoni D'Antoni teams, uh, they got those shots up, but they were from like the Earl Clarks of the world, and and they were getting them up simply because like D'Antoni recognized that that is a way that the Lakers could kind of take advantage of some math and, and, and get out ahead of that and be more competitive as a result. But in this case, ball is rotating around to Torian Prince balls, rotating around to Gabe Vincent balls, rotating around to D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves. Um, you know, those kinds of guys, even Rui is somebody who, when he shoots it, I expect it to, to, 
if not go in, it's a good look almost always when he's open from three. Anthony Davis's shooting looks ab- like night and day in almost every way imaginable. Maybe at some point I'll do a breakdown of his release and his footwork going into it uh, that, that really kind of highlights the things that I'm looking for that really show, man, like he's, he's a different shooter right now. Um, and LeBron James, like he's just, last year was a complete outlier year in terms of the type of shooter, shooter that he was. And I, I just don't think that that's going to be the case here again. And, and yeah, it's going to be a very different offense than we have ever seen as a Laker fan base. And they're going, it's, it's going to be, uh, it, 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 no part of that I think is particularly concerning to me. That said, as it pertains to AD specifically, the game against the Warriors, the, it opened up where I think neither team shot a free throw for like five minutes to, to open the game. And it's a very much a preseason stat. But um, one thing that I kind of, that did kind of stick out, and again, it's not not something I'm concerned about. I think it's something that'll be addressed over the course of the season. But uh, when the Lakers realized, oh shit, AD hasn't touched the ball yet, they basically just threw the ball to LeBron, who dribbled it up the left side, passed the ball over to AD, who was in the in the pinch, pinch post area, and then LeBron kind of wandered around or wandered away, and you had AD on an island, which fine, like because of the amount of spacing that the Lakers had had on the court, it's nice to see that a a trap didn't come immediately. But I would like to see if you're getting AD involved in the offense, a little bit more creativity than dribble, dribble, dribble pass in everybody stare and there was like there was no uh you know backside movement from from you know going on the on the weak side over there um there was no like there was no pinch screen there was no back cuts there was no like nothing that was really kind of going on um and i would like to see that change so if you're asking about like and and, and the other thing too um to to also more specifically answer george's george's that's a tough word to say, George's question. Um, I also think that the offense looks less AD-centric right now because I don't think the Lakers want want AD setting a whole bunch of screens and rolling to the basket in ways that he will be in the regular season um, because, like, you know, that's how you just step on a random foot and that's how you just, you know, tweak a back or something like that. I think the Lakers are, are... are probably if you if you were to to kind of list the most vanilla aspects of their offense right now, I think most of them, compared to what we'll see in the regular season, have to do with AD. I think they're running the most vanilla stuff right now for him, just to make sure that he is one hundred percent at the very beginning of the uh, of the uh, regular season and stays like that for as long as he possibly can. Uh, but but I, I yeah overall, this offense is going to be so good that. If you were to ask me, what am I stressing out about with this team? With this team on that side, nothing. Uh. All right, uh, as you guys can hear, I'm still kind of getting over this stupid cold that Avery keeps bringing home. Really nice of 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 her and everybody with kids, especially this time of year where kids are back in school and the weather is like some days it's hot and some days it's cold. Uh, it's just it's just <laughs> nonstop. So. Going to save my voice for now, have a really fun guest coming uh, tomorrow on to the show, somebody who has been here before, somebody I love recording with, and uh, I will go ahead and, and throw to that. For those of you who are 
listening on the pod feed. Again, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe everywhere that you get uh, pods and leave those five stars, uh, five star reviews and leave those questions there in the form of a five star review. And I promise I will get to them there. So until then, and until the next time I talk to you guys, I'm Anthony Irwin saying, have a great rest of your day, make somebody else's and I will talk to you. Later.